strong drink, neither uh, or, or, or excuse me, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. Then look at verse 17 here in Luke 1. And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. Look at this last phrase. To make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And so this gives us understanding when Elijah comes. He said John the Baptist has went in the power and spirit of Elijah. Later on, when Jesus is asked, Elijah is supposed to come before the Messiah, before the Savior. He's, and he talked about John. He said, if you will receive it, this is Elijah who is to come. In other words, he had that same spirit on him that went with it. But I want to show you something about that. In Malachi 4.6, which we read, it says that God said that he would send uh, Elijah so that he would turn the heart of the fathers back to the children and the children to the fathers. And then you go over to Luke 1, 17, which is the fulfillment of that. And it says the same thing. We would turn the, fathers, uh, the hearts of the fathers to the children. And it ends, why was this happening? To make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now, we're talking about parenting tonight. I'm talking to you about the passion of parenting. The passion, the driving thing of parenting, parenting's passion is this, of making a people prepared for the Lord. Um, we all know, I say we all know, and people who have some understanding of their Bible know that any person of any age has to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I was having a discussion with a couple I met this afternoon. And as we were talking about things, they were involved in churches and such, and we were talking. They had heard me addressed as pastor as I was out, and, and they said, are you a pastor? And I said, yes. And, uh, and they asked where, and we got talking a little bit. And uh, as we went on with the conversation, I said to the wife there, I said, uh, I said to her and her husband both, I said, so I said, tell me about when you received Christ as your Savior. Tell me about how when you came to know the Lord as your Savior. They've been talking about church things. And so that's the way I went about it. We'd been having a discussion. And uh, she spoke first and she said, Well, I, I was raised in church all my life. And then she paused. I didn't know where she was going with it. And I said, Ah, I said, that's awesome. I said, But there's a lot of people who've been raised in church all their life that don't know the Lord as a Savior. I said, You understand those two things are not equivalent, right? She goes, Oh no, no, and I know it's not. She goes, but I was around it all the time. And the way she described it when she was 14 years old, she said, I suddenly realized this is for me. I need Christ. And so that was when she understood that. Her husband gave a testimony of having received Christ when he was eight years old. And so wide variety, if you'd ask people what circumstances may be around their, their relationship with the Lord. But we do know this. We know every person has to have their own personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we understand that, but sometimes we miss it when it comes to those who are closest in our family and especially for our children. We cannot receive Christ for someone. You know that. You, you know that doctrinally. But, but here's the thing about it. Let me just caution you on this. All right, just Let me caution you. And let me teach you something on this. Don't, don't bristle up on me on this one, any of you. 
if I or someone else is asking your child, have you accepted Christ as your Savior? Mama, Daddy, you're not to answer for them. Someone asked when they got saved, they don't need no younger than me, Mama, to say, well, they got saved when they were this age. Well, they got saved when they were that age. Well, I remember when they got saved. Best thing you can do is learn not to do that. Because they need to be able to tell someone. And if they're scared to death and bashful and stuff, don't answer for them. Just comfort them. Say, you know, sometimes they, they feel a little nervous talking to people and just let it go with that. But listen, look up in here. Don't speak for your children on their spirituality. Not just collectively all my ladies that I care about will know. If I'm ever asking a youngin a question and you answer for them, you're likely to have your preacher very kindly say to you, I wouldn't ask them all. I was asking the young say, now just get over that. Talking to the youngins. Amen. Come over here, see if it goes over anybody. <laughs> I'm helping you if you let me. Those little ones right there. You know, Trey, someone come up, and I said, Mama, be Mama or Daddy, and come up and ask him, you know, is Jesus your Savior? You know? Just stand back and listen to what they say. It'll help you as a daddy. Help them. It's tempting, isn't it? You know, if we help our kids with so much stuff, it's tempting to say, hey, here, yeah. And, uh, but you can't speak for their spirituality. We know that, don't we? We need to make sure it's in our heart, but we know that. Now here's the thing I want you to understand about it though. According to what this said, what God was doing and what He wanted to do was to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. And by the way, I can give you on good Bible authority. He doesn't mind Mama getting in on that, all right? <laughs> but why? To prepare a people for the Lord. And so you, me, any of us, the best thing we can do is prepare them for the Lord. Now, what's parenting's, uh, what, is the, what, what is parenting's purpose? What is parenting by the book? To be preparing them so the Spirit of God can most easily deal with them. Obviously, the first and most rudimentary place to start is don't put a stumbling block in their way. Through false things you're bringing in, through hypocrisy of living... And putting things that are a, a, a stumbling block, obviously the first thing is, you know, don't do that. As I've told you before, it's sort of like the old hypocritical oath in, in, uh, in uh, medicine. The first law is do no harm, you know. And uh, that, is, that is the same in spiritual things with that. And so, what is it? It's, it's getting them ready. By the way, this goes back to the oldest times in the Bible and it carries forward with it. But look in Deuteronomy 6. Let me show you this very quickly. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Our friends in podcast land are getting a little bit of a truncated version of this message. I forgot to push go on my record. But they'll get the meat of it. 
If you want the whole thing, check us out on YouTube. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Now, we're thinking about this thing about the preparing. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. Now, we know that, don't we? Jesus said that's the first and greatest commandment. Correct? Now look at the rest and look in the next verses. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. So those who were hearing it were supposed to get it and get it in their heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children and shalt talk of them. So you teach first so they know what you're talking about and then you converse about it. So you teach first to give the base of knowledge so they can be conversant. And then you talk about it. Alright? With this. Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. So write them on the post of thy house. And it goes on. Many different ways of bringing them into remembrance. But they were to be in the heart of that generation that received them. And then that generation was to teach the next generation. And then having taught them, then converse with them about the things that they learned. This is uh, kind of reviewed again in chapter 11. Look there, if you will, of Deuteronomy also. Chapter 11. Look in verse 18. Therefore shall you lay up these my words in your heart. So you see this idea, you're making a storehouse of it inside yourself. And in your soul. What are you laying up in your heart and your soul? Are you laying up the words of God in your heart and in your soul? May God help you do that. I believe many of you are doing that. And I've been amazed at the conversation this week and questions and things of a good Bible nature that I've heard. And bind them for a sign upon your hand, and they may be as frontlets between your eyes. And ye shall teach them your children, speaking of them, when thou sittest in thine house, and thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt write them upon the doorpost of thine house and upon thy gates, that your days may be multiplied in the days of your children, in the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give them, look at this phrase, as the days of heaven upon earth. Isn't that an amazing little phrase right there? For if you shall diligently keep all these commandments which I command you to do them, to love the Lord your God, there's the basis for it, there's the passion of parenting, to walk in all His ways and to cleave unto them, that's got to hold them. You don't want to let, let go of them. Then will the Lord drive out all the nations from before you, and you shall possess great you shall possess greater nations and mightier than yourselves. He said, I'll take you to a place beyond your own strength, even with this. So what is the parenting's passion? It's revealed as a loving relationship between parents and children that is essential to passing down 
the faith which was once delivered to the saints from generation to generation. Jude, of course, that small one chapter book, in verse 3 it talks about uh, uh, this, the, the faith which was once delivered to the saints. And it was one time delivered. It's not delivered and delivered and delivered and delivered. It was delivered. And from that point forward, as is God's nature, as it's revealed in the Bible over and over again, He then had people pass that down. That's what He did. He superintended it. He preserved it. He oversaw it. But it came through people. And what He did, He said, I want you to pass on what I've given to you. And that loving relationship, that heart towards the children, the heart of the children towards the parent, that establishes the trust that allows that to be passed down. These are crucial and vital things. I'm going to say something to you that won't be a surprise to you, but it may startle you just to hear it said in a public setting. You aren't the only person trying real hard to influence your kids. Some of you at foolishly early ages are putting devices in their hands, allowing a whole world of influence to come in that you're not going to be able to rewind and take back. For a preacher, that's not popular. Never has been. Wasn't popular back when you used to preach you shouldn't let your kids have their own TV in their room. And they didn't even have cable then. Amen. I'm so old, I know what click, 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 ding means. <laughs> Some of y'all have no idea what I'm talking about right there. <laughs> Young people say, what are you talking about? That's for us old people. It's just like when you use terms we don't know what you're talking about. That's our, that's our joke. <laughs> And God wants us to use the influence we have to help others know about Him. And we can. And God wants to help us do it. Um, this whole thing we're talking about here, about the parenting's passion, it comes to fruition in the life of Timothy. I think it's awesome the way it shows up with Timothy. Look in 2 Timothy 1, if you will. 2 Timothy chapter 1. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5, it says, When I call to remembrance, and the apostle's talking about the joy this brings to him. He says, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith, I've taught you that word, but just by way of review, it's, it's, faith, it's faith that is not fake. It's real. It's unfeigned. To feign something is to fake or to put on or to manufacture. This is unfeigned faith. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith, that is, where's it at? in thee. Are you watching it? Which was in thee, which dwelt first, where? What's the word? Are you with me? I'm sorry, did I tell you the verse 5? 2 Timothy 1, 5? Alright, get with me on then. Where was the unfeigned faith first of all? It was where? In, well, it was first in the verse there. It's in thee. It was in Timothy. Where did it come from before that? It says it dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice. 
and I am persuaded that in thee also. And what happened was you have an example of what this is talking about, that the, uh, the truth and the purpose of the parenting is passed down, that the faith once delivered to the saints was passed down in these generations. And because of that, when you go down the next verses, the apostle is able to say to him by the Spirit of God that this can be stirred up in you. Why? Because you have something real inside of you. You don't just have religion. You have something real that lives inside of you. And because of that, it can be stirred up. Um, look in 1 Timothy chapter 1. It's kind of interesting. It's two verses. 1 Timothy chapter 1. And again, verse 5, it's the word unfeigned shows up. It's interesting. 1 Timothy 1.5 and 2 Timothy 1.5. Now, watch where that unfeigned faith comes from. Okay? Or what it's associated with, I should say more accurately. Now, the end of the commandment. I talked to you about that recently. The, the purposeful destination of the commandment. The purposeful intent of it. Now, the end of the commandment is charity. That's what the commandment was given to produce. The end of the commandment is charity. Where does that charity come from? Out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith. What's the word? Unfeigned. And so what happens is that the passion of parenting is as was with Timothy. Timothy had a, had a great opportunity and thank God it came to fruition had a great opportunity to have charity work in his life because there was unfeigned faith in his life. And that came from somewhere. Now he had to believe on the Lord for himself, but he had seen what that looked like. I hope you plan on being in the Lord's house on Sunday. God willing, on Sunday morning, preaching on the subject, the evidence of things not seen. And as we deal with that passage, dealing with some of the things about the fact that Faith does not just reveal things to you about God, but it reveals God to others when your faith is actually working faith. Now you don't have to come Sunday morning. I told you what it's about. But maybe a little more to learn with that. But, but with that, that going on, I want you to understand this unfeigned faith. This is how God, uh, God's knowledge and, and uh, walk with Him is passed down from generation to generation. Um, that's parenting's passion. Prepare a generation to serve the Lord. You know, I remember uh, when, when our boys were coming up and we'd be at a meeting somewhere, maybe a preacher's meeting or something, you know, just out and about. We used to be out. We used to be gone more than we are now as far as preaching meetings. We've never, probably never taken as much time off as a family as we should, truthfully. But, and, but uh, we, we used to be gone more just to preaching meetings and stuff. And there were a couple larger ones that we went to. Um, and I'd see people or they'd meet and, and they'd say, are your boys going to be preachers? And I always had the same answer to that. That's God's business. Right. Weren't you raring them to be preachers? No. I tried, tried as best I could to be who I should be as dad so that they could have a knowledge and a relationship with Lord Jesus Christ Himself. Because that's what it all comes down to. Because influence, listen well to me parents of all ages, influence is the only thing you really have. 
when they're little, you might think otherwise. I'm all for them. Things being run properly in the house. But all you ever have is influence. Because they may do everything you say to do, but the influence is all that's going to matter long term. That doesn't mean you don't have any rules at the house. It doesn't mean you don't provide guidance. In fact, you're, you're complicit if you just allow things to happen and don't stand against it at all. But you have, what you have is influence. Now think about that for a moment though. Isn't that how God works on us? Look, I've told you before, I am a zero-point Calvinist. I don't believe in one of the pedals of the tulip. I believe they're all wrong, if you know what that five-point Calvinism is about. I believe every tenet of Calvinism, as expressed in the five points, every one of them is error, and some of them are downright heresy. I am not a Calvinist. I'm going to be a Calvinist. Not going to ever count as Calvinist. But you ready for something? We learn something by how God works. God never once forced you to make a choice. Now, He may have confronted you strongly. He may have put the fear of Himself in you. But you still had a capacity to receive or reject or whatever you were going to do. Now here's the thing about it. When we're trying to help those we love follow the Lord, we have to realize that they do have a choice in that matter. And God's way is for us to try to help them. And so really important with that. And then let me say finally to you tonight, parenting's progress. Preacher, what's that? Well, guiding and instructing them to full maturity. Full maturity. You ready for this statement? And also guiding them into an increasing dependence on God and a decreasing dependence on us. Young people need to learn how to shoulder responsibility and make decisions. They need to know how to care for themselves. I'm not talking when they're three years old, okay? Although they should have some things they're doing at that age. You start trying to work on that when they're 15 or 16, you're way behind the way behind the curve on that. And if they're cooperative and want to want to work with you, you you'll make progress. But boy, if they bow up on you, you've got you can't you, you can't restart those early years. Say, so, preacher, you it seems like you expect a lot out of youngins. Do I really? You ever read about a fellow named Daniel? How about Joseph? How about David? Ah, preacher, those are Bible people. Don't you want to be a Bible people? You won't be recorded in the in the sacred pages of this book. But don't we want to follow God? How about anybody ever hear of a fellow named Samuel? By the time he was little, started to come to the Lord and followed him. I think that's a good thing to desire in our heart for our children to be able to follow the Lord from an early age. Don't you think there's people going to come along and try to try to take them wrong direction? Don't you think their own flesh is going to fight against them? 
You think the, do you think the world's getting cleaner and healthier? <laughs> if so, you are a nut job. It, is, it isn't. Alright? So what we're doing is we're trying to help them have an increasing dependence on God and a decreasing dependence on us. That's the natural way that God wants it to happen. In other words, as we mentioned at the beginning, and this is what harkens back to the first message, we're to bring them up. Help them go forward. It's interesting, the word when the word train is used with children, one time, train up a child in the way he should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. It's one of the most misquoted verses and certainly application of it is way misused. It's, it's amazing. I remember when I encountered and actually read that verse for myself and looked at what it said, and I thought, huh, I declare, all the folks I ever heard say that from Eastern Kentucky have it exactly wrong. Startling revelation when you actually read what the words say. Because here's the way they taught it. Here's the way they talked about it. And I'm talking about, you're not a church going family, you knew that verse, right? Well, you know, it's just like the good book says. Some of you don't remember when language is that way in our, our country. Well, just like the good book says, you know, train them in the way of the Lord and they may go away from them, but when they're old, they'll come back. That truly is the KJV. That's the Kentucky Jive version. That is not what it says. It talks about when they're old, they'll not depart from it. But one thing I think is interesting about that verse, and I don't have the answer for every question you can come up with on that verse. It's the Word of God. It means what it says. <laughs> but I do know this in it. It's interesting. Train up a child in the way it's very personal. He should go. Now we understand there's a, the way of the Lord, but within that, it seems to me the way the thing's written in English, that within that, we need to know the way that he should go. That particular child, that particular young person, young man, young woman, that young lady, that child, they have a disposition. They have an inclination. They show you that they are heading a certain way. And you are to take the way that is evident that works in them and help them to come to serve the Lord with it. It's where the big problem comes in where you, you got this kind of cookie cutter stamp and they all have to be the same, same thinking, same everything else. That's not the way truth works. Truth is, truth is solid. It doesn't change around. But God, we understand God made us to be different members in the same body. We understand God gave us varying gifts. But it's the same Lord well then, we need to understand that training involves training them in a way that's relevant for what's the way that they're made. I mentioned with, what's even worse is it's a lullaby. Go and play a lullaby in church, I said. <laughs> I was speaking, and Brother Steve and I were talking when we were going home and mentioned to him about how you can tell sometimes, and this usually shows up from a young age, there are certain people that every time they walk in a room where there's a piano, they cannot stay away from that piano. They just, they, they gravitate to it. It's, it's fun to watch it. You know what? 
might tell you that there's something there that needs to develop. <laughs> I'm glad no one tried to make an artist out of me. Although what I've seen in what's called modern art, maybe I could have made some money out of it. I'm glad no one told me that I, I had to grow up and go to culinary school. Now, unless they had a job as a taster, I'm just not interested. <laughs> so what is parenting's progress? We're to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Part of that nurture and admonition is, is the security of them knowing that we love them. Not that we are accepting them because of their performance level, but we love them. And by the way, actually, honestly, loving will allow you to be very frank about when they're, when they're going where they shouldn't go. And God will even give you strength enough to have some very tough, and very strong one-on-one -on -one conversations and even confrontations. Whether they accept what you're saying or not, you stand where you are in the Lord. Amazing thing about it, wasn't it? The young man that we call the prodigal that we're learning about in a four-week series in Sunday school, his father didn't chase him to the hog pen. But his daddy sure did love him, didn't he? Anybody doubt that dad's love? He saw him when he was far, long way off, didn't he? And he was so glad to see him. But he didn't go down there to the hog pen. In other words, dad stayed dad. Stayed where he should be. And let his heart break uh, while he, he longed for his son to come back. And then, look in Galatians 4, and we're done with this one. Look in Galatians chapter 4, and this is about parenting's progress. I'm being very careful up here right now. Because I'm not a big time watcher when I'm preaching. You figured that out by now. But there's a time stamp that rolls on the thing for the podcast. And I didn't turn this thing on until I'd been preaching a while. So you all shouldn't look tired at all. I haven't been preaching very long at all according to the podcast. So if I keep looking at that, we'd be here a while. So look in Galatians chapter 4. You know, there's an old saying in preaching that their heart will not absorb what their seat cannot endure. <laughs> and so, a wise man pays attention to that. Galatians chapter 4, and look, if you will, in verse 19. And if you will, you'll see, you'll see how the apostles addressing these folks that he's led to Christ. And he's a father to them in the faith and such. And then you can make the application of how this fits in with, the, with this... Uh, uh, this maturity and bringing them to maturity. Galatians 4 and verse 19, he says, My little children, of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. He said, I, I wasn't done with you just getting saved. I want you to know the fullness of Christ. He said, I'm not happy with you just the fact that you belong to the Lord. I want you to know the fullness of God. And he expresses that in these words that God gives him. 
And what it's like, it says, it's travail and birth again till Christ be formed in you. He was their Father in Christ. He had prayed over them. He had preached to them. He had given Himself so that they would know the Gospel. But He said, I'm not done there. I want you to keep going and keep going until you come in the fullness of the stature of the Son of God. What is that? That's a full maturity. That's a completely formed life. Look in 1 Corinthians 13. Progress, parenting and progress, 1 Corinthians 13. Look, look what it says here. It's pretty neat how this wraps up here. 1 Corinthians 13. Look in verse 11. It shows what the maturity of charity comes. You remember the unfeigned faith? The end of the commandment, not the cessation, not its stopping, but the end, the, the intended purpose and outcome of it. The end of the commandment is charity. Out of your pure heart, a good conscience, and faith unfeigned. We've learned that. Now, what does that maturing look like according to the Bible? What does the maturing of charity look like? And it's described in 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 11 this way. When I was a child, I, look what it says, I spake as a child. Talk like one. I understood as a child. That's a comprehensive ability. I thought as a child. I reached conclusions. The understanding is the comprehension. The, the, uh, the, the uh, thinking is the cognitive process where you reach conclusion based on what you think you understand and you act on. And so he said, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. He said, I was in childish in all these areas. But when I became a man, I put away what? Childish things. Do you know how many homes are being wrecked because of childish thinking? Do you know how many lives are dwarfed and stunted from what they could be for the Lord because of childish understanding, childish thinking, childish speaking, do you know how many churches are floundering and not reaching the people they could reach for Christ, not being the gospel testimony they could be in their community because of childish thinking, childish understanding, and childish speaking? It's alright to be childish when you're a child, but we want progress. And we want to help our children to come into the full strength and maturity. God will give us wisdom if we ask Him to. God will give us wisdom not to rush the process, not to neglect the process. You say, well, how will I be guided in that? Well, you ask God, and I mean that. You say, that sounds pretty simple. It's so simple, people don't do it. As many times as this congregation has heard the verses quoted, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Any of you, if any of you at Lighthouse lack wisdom, for any particular endeavor, let him ask of God, which giveth all men liberally and upbraideth not, that shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. 
For he that wavereth is as a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. We've heard it. May God help us to live it. And so what? When, you'll, when you seek wisdom, one thing God will do with you is He'll slow you down and let you pay attention. How many of you believe, and I'm not trying to draw you into something, okay? I'm not going to sucker punch you. How many of you know and believe the verse when the verse very clearly says, let every man be swift to what? Hear. Slow to what? And slow to what? For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Hmm. Do you suppose that teaching applies to parenting? Now I understand you can have a kid that would jabber you into non-existence. At some point you have to look and say, okay, you don't get the floor every time you walk in the room. That's a full form of understanding. You don't need to command every situation with words. But when's the last time you listened? When's the last time you cut them off mid-sentence and said, I know what you're thinking? Give you a challenge. Check your scripture about that kind of action and see if that's a biblical way of dealing with anybody. May God help you. May God help us to do the right thing. Let's pray together. Father, thank You for Your words. And uh, thank You for the way they show us who You are and who we are. And thank You for the comfort we find in the fact that You do love us so thoroughly. We're accepted in the Lord. God, uh, help us to do right by those You've given us to love and to influence in our lives. I ask in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's stand together. You watch come on first note invitation. This web begins to play. Get in a habit and the Lord deals with your heart. He brings something to your mind. Get in a habit of being responsive to that right away. Don't wait on it. First steps are vital steps when it comes to being responsive to the Lord.